Welcome back, Ilchot Kil'ayim, Perek Sheni. This is a short and not so difficult chapter. The next one is going to become a little more complicated. But the topic of this chapter, let me just uh, flip to the right page. It's really to establish some of the principles that have to do with Kil'ayim. Halakha Aleph, Zera Shnit Arav Bo Zera Aher. אם היה אחד מ-24 כגון שיאה של לחיתים שנתערבה בשלוש ועשרים שיאה של שעורים, הרי זה אסור לזרוע את המעורב עד שימעט החיתים או יוסיף על השעורים, ואם זה רע, לוקה. So I'd call this chapter inadvertent כלאיים. כלאיים, planting things mixed with one another, when that's not the intent. But what happens if I have, I'm about to plant my field with wheat, and I take the grains of wheat that I have that I want to plant, and I see that among these uh, wheat grains, there is also a few barley grains. So that's the situation we're talking about. And there is a measure of how much should there be of the second species for the entire thing to be forbidden to plant. And that measure is one out of 24. In other words, one against 23. If it is less than one against 23, namely one against 24, which is one of 25, then it's, it becomes insignificant and I can plant it with some caveats as we are going to explain later. And if I do plant something that has a ratio larger than 1 against 23, this is a violation of the Lotizra Sadecha Kil'ayim, and I get Malkut. And by the way, we're talking about planting Zera'im. As we explained in the last chapter, there is two flavors to kilaim. One is the harkava, which is the grafting for trees, and the other one is the planting that's for seeds. And we describe there is three kinds of seeds, as we said in the last chapter. And now something very important: it's not if I have multiple species, then anything that would be for forbidden to mix with that main species also combines to add up to that one out of. So let's say, okay, so here come some examples. Kesad. What are some examples? Let's say I have 23 seim of hitim, 23 seim of hitim, sa is equal to six kabim. Okay, so 23 se'im of hitim. If, if I wanted to have one against those 23, I'd have to have six kabin. So two kabin of barley, two kabin of adashim, of lentils, and two kabin of polim. Polim are some kind of beans. So I have six of a mixture of species, each of which I cannot plant with hitim, with wheat, and I have this combination of 23 against a combination of 1 in the aggregate. So we have exactly 23 against 1, which is what's the minimum for it, the maximum for it to be uh, uh, prohibited. And then if I have a little more, then it's permissible. Uh, until I remove some of the, of the alien seeds or I add some of the main seed. Because each of these three species of barley, lentils, and beans would be kilaim by itself against the wheat. What's 
some qualifications to this statement. When we are talking about the first kind of the three kinds of Zeraim we spoke about last chapter, Tevu'ah, which is something that you plant it and it grows and you eat the grains outside. The grains are like the fruits of the that, that, that spring from the ground, just like wheat, just like barley. That's Tevu'ah. So all the kinds we mentioned so far are Tevu'ah. Or some kind of Kitniot. Kitniot are... The second kind of zeraim, which is you eat the actual seed, just like the lentils, legumes. Or, or if we have some combination of legumes with tevuah, or tevuah with legumes. But the third category, which we call the seeds that are meant to be planted in a garden, and those are things that the seed itself is not edible, but it grows into a root that becomes edible or into a plant that becomes edible. Those things, those that's a separate category. And that's why it was important last chapter to define that there is three kinds and this is the third kind. So then if one of the mixtures one of the things that got mixed is that onegina, we no longer look at the volume of 1 versus 23 of the actual seed that's being planted. But given that we don't really care about the seed of the onegina, that's not what's eaten. What's eaten is what comes out of the seed. So we look at, in order to get to that ratio of 1 against 23, we have to look at how much is planted in the same area. That's the calculation that needs to be done. So the betsea, um, we look at, at the area. We take an area of a garden of a betsea, which is 50 amot by 50 amot, and that's how we calculate 1 against 23. Get sad, how so? Example. Hardal. Shenit arev bitua. Hardal is an example of zaronegina. We don't eat the hardal, we eat the seeds that come from it. We don't eat the seed that planted, we eat the seed that comes from it afterwards. Shenit arev bitua. It gets mixed, it gets mixed up with, let's say, some grain like wheat. And if you take the hardal, these mustard seeds, how much do you plant? In each one of those gardens of 50 by 50, you can plant a cup worth of seed. So, because we have a kav, that's the, the amount for planting a whole betsea, if then you take 1 against 23 of this kav, but then you convert it to a se'a of tevua, in other words, you look at the hardal as if it had been already planted, you look at it in the form that's already ready to be eaten, even though the hardal in this case, the se'a is 6 kabin, you have to multiply it by 6. So really, it's 1 6th of 1 against 23 for the hardal to be a problem 
with respect to the tevoa, because once you plant it, that's how much it's going to show up. So if the ratio is different, this would be the case as well. But again, the principle is you look at the post-growth amount, and that's how you calculate the ratio of 1 against 23. Therefore, if you have grain like wheat, and in it, you got some cotton seed, flax seed mixed, and we said the flax seed is an example of the Ra'onegina. Now, what's interesting about cotton is that it seems that you plant, uh, you have to use more than what you get um, in terms of area. And, and because you have to plant plant them very spread out. And therefore, um, it actually works out in the favor of, of, uh, of a smaller ratio, of, a lot of being permitted to have a larger ratio than otherwise. Because in every betsea, you can plant three se'im of zerapishtan. And so too you do in every other uh, kind of seed. And everything we are mentioning so far is what I said at the beginning of the chapter, inadvertent mixtures. When you didn't mean to mix these kind of species with one another. And when it wasn't the intent to actually plant these two species that were meant. But if the intent is to mix one with the other or to plant both of them separately, they happen to be together, but you do want to have both of them planted. Even if you had then one grain of wheat in an entire pile of barley, Keri's pile, Asural is forbidden to plant, and so to any other example that looks like this. Now what happens, again, inadvertently, you planted, you're post-planting, you're going to your garden or your field outside, and then you look at what you planted, the harvest, and lo and behold, you find a mixture. You see kil'aim. So, a refresher from the first chapter. Kil'aim is not asur behana'a. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. However, we do have a concern that people are going to see my field or my garden and are going to say, hey, this guy plants kil'ayim, he doesn't care about anything, and we want to avoid that. So we have the same ratio. And we look at the field right now, and we see, is this alien crop, this alien seed, one out of 24 or more? If so, then... Uh, I must not throw everything out, but rather I have to remove that alien crop. Because of because of what people are going to say, because people are going to come and say, that I planted this on purpose, and it's not something that we want people saying around. It doesn't matter if it's any combination of the above. Again, what we care about also with the Ornegina, and the reason why the Ornegina were different to begin with is because we care about 
their status, their state after they are grown. And if it was less than one out of 24, then you don't even need to remove it. You can leave it as is in that field. Even if people come by and see it, that's it's no longer your, your responsibility. When are we saying that a person, we force a person to remove a small quantity of an alien crop within the field or within the garden, even though he didn't mean to do so? When the context permits people to come and say, hey, this guy has done so on purpose. However, when the circumstances show that this is probably not something that was intended by the owner of the field, but rather this grew on its own, then we no longer obligate this person, require this person to remove the alien crop. What's an example of this? Like say, for example, a grain, wheat, that within it grew a little bit of isatis. Isatis is what's called dyer's wood and a wood, and it's some kind of a plant that's grown mostly for coloring purposes, for coloring purposes or for dye purposes. And it's obviously not good for this kind of plant to grow next to a crop of wheat. So why would anyone plant wheat next to this? Obviously, it was by accident. Nobody's going to come and say this was done deliberately. Likewise, tiltan. Tiltan is what's called um, uh, fenugreek. Fenugreek. I think it's some kind of a fennel, and uh, and sometimes it's planted for other uses, but sometimes it's planted for human consumption. And if that's the case, if other weed get mixed with it, it's not good for it, and therefore nobody's going to suspect. Because this is a destructive kind of mixture. And so too, you can learn from this and make your own judgments as to the next example to see if it looks like these paradigms or not. And how do we know, how can someone who passes by know that this tiltan, this fenugreek, was grown in order to serve for human consumption. So the way to note that is if this was planted in the form of gardens, gardens one next to the other, this would normally indicate that this is for human consumption. So too, an area, they used to leave areas in the field empty from any kind of plant, and they'd use that area to set up a goren. A goren is where you set up your harvested wheat, your harvested barley, your harvested grain, and you make a keri, which we mentioned before, and then you do all kinds of things there. Like, for example, you, you separate some bad things, or you can bundle them up. You can do a lot of things with the keri in the geranot, and it's not an area that people want to grow things in. So if any kind of inadvertent kilayim grew in that area in the Giranot, everyone will know that this was by accident, that there is no uh, obligation to remove it. Bimkoma Giranot. 
ואם הסיר מקצתן, אומרים לו עקור הכל חוץ ממנחת שהרגילה דעתו שהוא רוצה בקיום השאר. However, if in the gerenot, the owner of that field went ahead, let's say five grains grew one next to the other in a way that's kill'aim, and he removed grain number one, grain number two, and left the other three. So he's showing that although this is an area that's normally for gerenot, he deliberately wants to grow certain things in there, so then we require for him to remove the, everything if this is a matter of kill'aim. הלכה י"א אין עוד עין ירקות בתוך סדן של לשקמה וכיוסה בה. One more thing that's forbidden not because it's kill'aim but because of the way it looks. Let's say I have a beautiful cut trunk of a fig tree, a shikma, and in that, on that cut trunk I planned, I decided to, to make a little bit of a hole and I used it as a planter, sort of, sort of like a natural planter to plant in there some sorts of vegetables. That's forbidden because although it's not what's happening, but it sort of looks like some kind of grafting, and people might get confused and might think that that's what I'm doing. הטומן אגודת לפת וסנון וכיוסה בהן תחת האילן, אפילו תחת הגפן, אם היו מקצת העלים מגולין, אני חושש שהרי אין עורסה בהששתן. ואם אינן אגודה או שלא היו יעלים מגולין, חוששים משום כלאיים. Now, something that's permissible is if, let's say, I want, I have lots of cut, cut vegetables and there is no fridge back in the day, so I want to keep them in a shaded place and I put them under, next to the trunk and under, let's say, my, my vine. So someone who passes by might see them, might see some stuff growing from the vine. Is that a problem? So the answer is, if they are bound together in a way that shows that they are already harvested, then there is no problem. Um, That's Aguda. Sorry, not only that, but also it needs to show that the leaves are, the leaves need to show the leaves of whatever leafy vegetable I have there so that people can see what this is about. But if that's not the case, then we do have a concern and we do require a person not to do so, not to leave those vegetables lying against the the bottom of the trunk of, say, a vine or any other tree. הלכה יוד בית, שדה שהייתה זרועה וכסר הזרע ונשארו העיקרים בארץ. A field that was planted once, and then the person went and harvested that, that, uh, that זרע, whatever plant, whatever species this was, ונשארו העיקרים בארץ, and then the roots of whatever that was planted before, plant A, remained inside the ground, The question is now, can I plant something else? Even though the case is that for such a root to ever grow a plant again, you'd have to leave it there for many, many years. Hachamim forbade for someone to plant any other species in, on that field until I go ahead and remove those roots that were left there. Let's say the field was planted uh, with wheat, but then the wheat price goes down and the barley price goes up and I change my mind and right away I want to change the whole thing to barley. So what I do need to do, so the first thing that happens, I put the seeds And the very first stage for the first few days is just seeds lying there doing nothing. So I wouldn't want to put other seeds on top of those seeds because they are going to mix together and be kil'aim. 
And the solution is for actually letting it start growing. So I have to give it three days or so for the seeds to break, for the seeds that I planted to break of the hitim, of, of the of the wheat. Uh, if, if And this is all assuming that this, the field is moist enough, that three days is going to be enough time. And after this has happened, after these three days, then I go and I plow the field. And by plowing the field, now that those seeds had broken, I'm destroying those seeds. I'm destroying the seeds of wheat. And now I can plant again something else. And I don't need to be extremely uh, obnoxious about this and make sure that there is no millimeter without plowing, but rather just plowing as I would plow any field before planting any seeds for the first time is enough. Just like the plowing that's done normally for before. The rain season is enough. As when it's done before the rain season, so that enough water can penetrate the soil. Say that the wheat grew, and after the wheat grew, the person decides again to change the whole field to barley. So, this, as opposed to the last halacha, the situation now is that the wheat already sprung, sprung the, the, the the wheat is already outside the ground. Um, then the same the same solution. I need to plow and then plant. However, unlike the first halacha, now we have a second solution that wasn't available before, and that is to bring animals to eat, to graze on that field, to graze from those freshly born uh, baby wheat sprouts and uh, and then I'll be allowed to plant something else because the animal is pretty thorough in destroying the wheat in a way that when I plant the barley there is not going to be any kil'ayim every year the beddin go out and start announcing to people to be careful about kil'ayim and to tell people that if they are not careful in avoiding kilaim, then the bedin is going to pass by, and any field that is found to have kilaim is going to be penalized. And that's when people go back to their backyards, to their front yards, gardens, fields, and they make sure that they don't have any visible kilaim of a ratio of more than one in 24. Two weeks later, the 15th of Adar, the, the messengers of the Beddin go around and they do the inspection. At first, the penalty was that the Beddin would uproot anything that they found to be kilaim and throw out to the ground. But what happened? Some people found that all too convenient and they do they leave things on purpose for the Beddin to come and clean up their fields. And everyone then was very satisfied and happy and content with having free cleanup by the Beddin. So Hachamim decreed that instead of that, the consequence, the penalty changed to now be that a field in which Kilaim was found, the entire field 
is confiscated and is rendered ownerless, hefker. The whole shame se'uba mina her ehad and this, of course, is when finding an alien crop that's more than one in 24, but if it's more than this, they wouldn't touch it. And not only do they come the 15th of Adar, but they also come again in, on Chola Mo'ed Pesach because it's a second season now <coughs> for other kinds of vegetables that grow around this time. And now it becomes visible, it becomes clear whether there is Kil'ayim or not. And uh, and if it so happens that the some plants started having kilaim uh, and they just started breaking uh, in uh, a species that wasn't that didn't belong just started breaking flowers that's henetsu. We don't wait and 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 wait for the owners to do something about it and come back next year to check if they've been cleaned or not. Rather, we do the hefker right away um, on the designated times if the ratio was more than 1 in 24. Baruch Amen ve'amen.